I honestly can't believe it. I seriously can't believe it. Madison Keys won, she beat Bedoso. Jesse Pagula won, she beat Zachary. I seriously cannot believe it. Yesterday's women's matches were all um, straight set wins. The first three matches of the day, the underdog won in straight sets. I'm gonna get straight into reviewing yesterday's matches. Madison Keys, 6-3, 6-1 over Paula Bedoso. I fucking knew it. Well, actually, I thought Keys, after after being in the form of her life and shitting on absolutely everyone, I thought that Bedoso would once again get lucky and and Keys would have a stinker. But that was not the case. I think I'm prepared to say that Madison Keys might have exposed Bedosa a little bit. 6-3-6-1 wasn't even close. Could have been a lot uglier in the first set. A lot, a lot, a lot uglier. Paula Bedosa actually saved 11 break points. This really could have been 6-love, six 6-love. Six or 6-1-6-love, six six something like that. I believe Bedosa only had one service game where she held and didn't have to face a break point. Madison Keys, who the fuck is gonna beat her? Paula Bedosa is not the answer. Shang Wang, close. Look, you can you can you can um look over Shang Wang, which is who Madison Keys beat in the previous round before she took a shit on Bedosa. Shang Wang showed us a masterclass of counterpunching and dictating pace. One thing Bedosa cannot do is dictate pace, absorb power, or change pace. Off-tempo shots. She can't do that. Paula Bedosa is an extremely limited tennis player. Extremely limited. I know she looks nice. I know she's sexy. I know she has a cool name, yeah? I agree, she's hot as fuck. Her tennis, though, I am not a fan at all. At all, at all, at all. Not one bit. She's extremely limited. What is she good at? Her motivation, her drive, that honestly goes a long way. She's not dead inside. She wants to win, but one thing I don't understand is she still has this underdog mentality, even though she's now ranked in the top 10. One thing I don't like about that is that, you know, like once you're once you're there, once you've established yourself as a top 10 player on tour, and you're, and you're what, ranked like 7th or 8th in the world, I think that might have gone up now in, in the live rankings. But she still carries herself as an underdog, which I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, like you're not... Like last year, okay, she was, um, she, she shot up the rankings big time. She was like 80th or something. But now she still sort of acts like that. Like, like, bro, you're a top 10 player. Act like it. That's one thing I don't like about her at all. I, I mean, I don't like a lot of things about her, but her tennis, uh, that is like objective stuff. You know, maybe her character or, or sort of her her approach and her behavior on court, I'm not a fan of. that. That's probably subjective. But I'm telling you, 
I'm being objective when I say her tennis really ain't shit. And I know it's hard to accept that because she's sexy as fuck and she's so fun to watch and she it's so nice to look at her and you want to see her happy. Her tennis sucks, man. And not only that, somehow, I don't know how, but she must have really good karma. She is so fucking lucky. Yesterday, her luck ran out, I guess. Her, her opponent actually came to play. I swear to God, most of Bedosa's wins, their opponent, her opponent, sorry, is not even playing tennis. Which, as a result, makes her look so good. I never overreact to one single match, and I never let the result fool me. Especially if I have the time to watch the matches. There are some things that you that a scoreline or a stat sheet or a box score cannot reflect. Madison Key, 6361 over Paula Bedosa. She's through to a quarterfinal. Who the fuck is gonna beat her? After the match, Bedosa, this is what she said in her post-match press conference in the media room. She said, What can I say? Sometimes I was serving 180. I had to look what the serve said because I didn't understand how a winner came back that fast. I thought I was serving bad. Then I saw it was her game, that she was playing very, very good. What Bedosa is trying to tell us here is she met her match. Look, maybe I'm being harsh on Bedosa. She did have 10 double faults. Um, she, I've seen her play better. Sure, I'll say that. I have seen Bedosa play better. But all things considered, having Madison Keys at, you know, as a three-game underdog plus 165 or whatever it closed at, that shit is ridiculous. And it's obviously no disrespect to Madison Keys because she's, along with Barty and Halep, the mo one of the most informed players on tour. Just not being shown any respect. And I wouldn't say it's disrespect either. But Dosa's just extremely overvalued in the market. She's extremely overrated. What she how like what she actually is like versus how th the public perceives her. Huge difference. Not that good. Good. Just not that good. I promise you. The one game that I got absolutely wrong, and I will concede that, um, Krujikova, 6-2, 6-2 over, uh, Vika, Azarenko. Honestly, Krujikova played amazing. She played an amazing match. Her style was just perfect. Vika came out so aggressive, motivated, looked good for a game and a half. The thing is, with Vika, her sort of her strategy, she came right out the gate, swinging for the fences. Just firing away, pop, 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 pop. And honestly, it, it, for a game and a half, she was killing it. If that was like the only like five, six minutes you watch, you'd be like, Vika's gonna crush this girl. Vika got crushed, and here's why. If you show like all your car, if you show your hand, right? Very early on in the match, you got nothing the rest of the way. Like you have no answers. 
Vika even very early on in the first set, I think after she got broke, she sort of looked at her... After losing uh, another service game, she sort of gave that look to her box, to her coaches, like... Yo, this chick is fucking killing me. And at that point, you there's nothing you can do, right? If, if, if your opponent's playing really well, there's nothing you can do. You just hope they miss or slow the fuck down. Azarenka had no answers. She wasn't necessarily bad. Krzykova was just so much better. Um, honestly, smarter. Vika tried to sort of dictate the game. Krzykova counter-punching from the baseline. Vika could do absolutely nothing about it. I totally whiffed on that on that match. Krzykova, really impressive. We'll talk about a little something later. Let's let's talk about the other two matches first, and 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 we'll uh, talk about something else. Uh, not a lot of matches to talk to or to get to for tonight, so I guess we can spend more match uh, more time on the matches and really break them down and and discuss some things. Okay. Jesse Pagulo over Maria Sakri. Like a week, a week and a half ago, maybe like 10 days, I said Jesse Pagulo started the year 0-2, and this is not good. Notice I've been talking about Jesse Pagulo since the start of the year, probably from like the first episode of this show. She started the year 0-2 along with two uh, other players, and we made a list, Svitolina and Sabalenko, and Jesse Pagula started the year 0-2. Jesse Pagula is now 3-2, and, and I told you she'd make a quarterfinal. I told you at the start of the week that Barty and Jesse Pagula are going to play in the quarterfinal, and that is true. That's what happened. Not tonight, but tomorrow night, we're going to get Jesse Pagula versus Ash Barty in the quarterfinal. Why did I say that? The two top players in her section? Uns Jabor and Maria Sakri. Those were really the only two threats. Those were the, the top seeds, you know, if, if, if you make projections. These are the players that, that you'd face, you'd have to knock off, if you want to make the quarterfinal. And win your section. To face the winner of Barty's section, which was Barty. Once Jabour came in with a back injury, she actually retired. Um, I honestly don't remember at this point, before she even played a match, I believe. Maria Sakari did not start the year 0-2, but I told you that she ain't shit, and I told you that she didn't look good, even in her wins. Unconvincing, never let results fool you. There are some things you cannot see in a box score, or a stat sheet, or a scoreline. I shouldn't you not, Sakari shouldn't have even played this match, he should have lost to Kudermetseva in the previous round. Kudermetseva choked on a fat cock and had an ab injury. Pissed away a 3-1, 40-love lead in the first set, and now it was curtains. Okay, and everyone's takeaway is, oh my fucking god, Sakari is too, too good. Three underdogs, Keys, Krzykova, and Jesse Pagula. Let's talk about that before we get to Barty and Anisimova. Um, let's talk about line movement once again. 
quick lesson since since we have the time, I guess. Madison Keys opened 150. I just checked. She closed at plus 180. So the line moved against her. The line suggested that Bedosa was was the you know the play. You know when the line moves towards a player, it's probably that side is being hammered, right? They're getting a lot of action on Bedosa. Keys opened from opened or sorry moved from 150 to 180. Opening at 150 is ridiculous. That should have been way closer. And the fact that it actually moved from 150 to 180 is ridiculous. But that just tells you something about the public. A general rule of thumb, you do not want to be on the same side as the public. Why? Because the public are idiots. Let's, let's face it. The public. I'm not saying like you or your neighbor. I'm just saying the general public. It, it's, a, it's a very large group of people and, and the consensus is that they're idiots they're stupid and the problem is a lot of people these days think that they're so fucking smart or think that they have an edge or think that they know something that nobody else knows they feel like they're onto something i call them nerds that overthink shit a lot of sports betters by the way are nerds they have their numbers, they, they love to overthink this, and they think it's so complex, and that they're so smart, and they can sort of, you know, find an edge, reach conclusions, make good betting decisions. That's how Bedosa was an either, uh, you know, moved, the line moved in her favor. She was already overvalued at, as the line op when the line opened. She became an even bigger favorite by the time the match started. Vika Azarenka, to be honest, same thing happened. Azarenka opened at minus two to minus two and a half to minus three, closed at minus three and a half. Some places had minus four. That is incredible line movement. Minus two to minus three and a half, minus four. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Krajikova took a shit on her. Line movement doesn't mean shit. Honestly, if you see it, go the other way. Don't never overreact to that shit. Please, it, it it doesn't mean nothing. I'm not saying it, it means absolutely nothing. I'm saying that if a line moves in a certain player's way, don't be tempted to bet them because you feel like that's the right side. Either pass or go the other way. You do not want to be on the same side as the public. You want to be on the same side as the house, as the sports books. Okay. And they don't have all those lights in Vegas, and Vegas isn't so pretty for no reason, right? If you're on the same side as Vegas, that's good news for you. Because they win a lot. Promise, I promise you. Jesse Pagula, Maria Sakari. The line movement wasn't as substantial, but Jesse Pagula did move from plus 180 to plus 195 at close. About a 15 cent live line movement. Again, showing too much love to the favorite absolutely wrong Zachary more or less got crushed lost in straight sets so in the first three matches the underdog where the line moved against them won in straight sets Madison Keys, Krzykova, Jesse Pagula Vika was playing so so well Krzykova not so much I made an argument that she shouldn't have been here uh, last night. 
could have lost to Ostapenko, but Ostapenko wasn't uh, a head case. Azarenka has been absolutely playing tennis all week and nobody was really talking about it. But she met her match, I guess. Krzykova played really, really well. Madison Keys, Krzykova, that's our quarterfinal. The line opened. It's really close. Keys is a slight underdog, plus 105. Now, I've been saying, right? Now that Jesse Pagula has made her quarterfinal, we're on to the next thing. Who the fuck is gonna beat Madison Keys? Could it be Barbora Krzykova? She's minus 120, I believe. Minus 125, some like that. Slight, slight favorite over Madison Keys, and I think that's a very good line. That is a very, very good line. I don't think you'll have an edge either way. You just have to make a decision and, and sort of um, rock with it. That's a tough one, and we'll get to that uh, maybe later today, if not tomorrow, for sure. The fourth and final game on the slate last night was Ash Barty versus Anisimova. Halfway through this match, I was like, wow, this really could have been Osaka. I don't really like Osaka, but wouldn't that have been nice? Anisimova, she wasn't bad. Ash Barty, too good. Too, too good. Anisimova finally broke Ash Barty. I mean, Ash Barty finally got broken. I, I feel like, I think nobody broke her in like 15 matches or... No, not 15 matches, sorry. And and like 58 service games. The last player to do it was Coco Goff, which was Ash Barty's first match this year. First match since the US Open. And since then, um, unbreakable. Which, and, and for, the, for the women's tour, right? That's some impressive stuff. No matter who you are. But not good enough. Looked like she um, was going to get it going in the second set. That's when she broke. She raced to a 2-0 lead. Lost the set, 6-3. Ash, Ash Barty too good. I think the night session as well didn't really help Anisimova even though she played there the other day. Ash Barty and that crowd, mm -mm -mm. if Madison Keys wins, Look, we're going to find out the, 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 the answer to the who the fuck is going to beat Madison Keys question pretty soon because her next two matches, Krzykova, Ash Barty. Fuck, man. Ash Barty, by the way, gets Jesse Pagula. We talked about that quarterfinal. I called it about a week ago. To look at the men's real quick. Three set, three sets all across the board. So in the women's, it was straight set wins for all four winners. Three of them were underdogs. In the men's, straight set winners across the board. We didn't see a fourth or a fifth set. Interesting stuff. Nadal was tested in the first set against Monterino. Over 29 pushed and it was disgusting. Another... First set that goes to a tie break and I don't win the under. And I, sorry, I don't win my over. Ridiculous. 
Can't complain. A push is a, is a push. You you know, no harm done there. But I I like to win, and that hurt a little bit. Kind of crazy. The tiebreak was sixteen fourteen. Each player had like ten set points. Nadal, 16 aces, looked good, but it's Adrian Manorino, and he was really hurting after the tiebreak. Rest of the way was 6-2, 6-2. First serve percentage for both players, pretty low, 50, 57%. Not very good. Dennis the Menace, Shapovalov versus uh, Sasha Zverev. Shapovalov won in straight sets, looked absolutely fantastic. He was up for it. Zverev wasn't. Zverev never been a fan of him. His tennis or his character or the way he looks or uh, just just uh, looks like a douche, right? I don't like him. I don't rate his tennis. Hell of a player, though. But I don't like him. Very happy to see um, to see him go. Denis Shapovalov gets Nadal next. Wow. Uh, at the end of last year in, in December in in Abu Dhabi here where I live um, there was an exhibition and Shapovalov played against Nadal he beat him from a set down he beat Nadal in three sets so I'm excited for that one Shapovalov and Nadal what's good Nadal no real test that far uh, thus far Karen Khashinov I'm not buying that as a test uh, and, and Manorino today, that was, um, like practice, you know? Like the first set was super long, uh, the rest of the way was practice. Ketsmanovic versus, uh, Mr. Svitolina. Three sets win there for, uh, Mr. Svitolina. Honestly, Miomir, uh, the young Serbian, Serbian playing, uh, for repping the flag for Djokovic, I guess. By the way, I'm kind of surprised no one is talking about Djokovic anymore. I feel like that completely went away, which is a, a good thing because now we're, you know, now that the tennis is on, we're talking about tennis and, and there's no sort of distraction. But man, who's going to win this shit? Not Nadal, right? Medvedev, I think. Anyway, um, Ketsmanovic looked good for the first two sets, and then it was um, kind of hard to sort of rally and 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 get yourself going when you're two sets down to someone like Mr. Svitolina, who's playing really, really well, in amazing form to start the season, but does look a little um, tired. You know, with age, the other day he against Garin, he had an injury. Um, Concerning stuff, but looks very good. Serving really well. I think he hit a million aces. Only 17, okay. 17 aces. By the way, Shapovalov, only 3 aces. And I think only got broken twice. Uh, which is pretty decent. Shapovalov, man, looked very good. Zverev played well, like a little bit, but Shapovalov, man, good stuff. Finally, the one game that did not make any of my TV screens or my bet slips, Berrettini and Carreño Busta. Berrettini won a relatively close game, but not really. Served really well. Won in straight. 7-5, 7-6, 6-4. Berrettini, 28 aces. 
Wow. First serve percentage, not that high. But points won behind first serve, 86. Very good. Very good stuff. 28 aces, that's scary. That's sort of how he got it going against Carlitos. Berrettini gets Mr. Svitolina next. That line looks like a lot looks a lot like the Madison Keys, Barbora Krujikova line. Berrettini's a slight favorite, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, just checked. It looks like Berrettini's a a bigger favorite now than what I saw previously when it opened. Minus one sixty. Mr. Svitolina plus one thirty five. Shapovalov is plus 225 against Rafa Nadal. Note, Shapovalov was plus 370 against Zverev. But only plus 225 against Nadal, who a lot of people say is the favorite here. Clearly, a I mean favorite here as in, in, in Melbourne to win, the, to win the Open. So, a lot of respect being shown to... Denis Shapovalov, plus 225, plus four and a half games against Rafa Nadal. Mm -mm -mm. Overall, to sort of recap our bets, I absolutely nailed Keys and Pagula. I whiffed big time on Azarenka. Bardi and Anisimova, I thought Anisimova would get it going a little bit or maybe not get broken so early in each set. She actually had a lead in the second set. It was gone. 2-0 two, up in the second. Lost six of the next seven games. Mm -mm -mm. And the men's, I feel like Manorino Nadal was spot on. Over 29 was way too low. Unfortunately, that only pushed. That's kind of disgusting, but what do we do? Played Shapovalov. Also played the over... Yuck. Zverev couldn't win his set. That's kind of yuck. Same with Ketsmanovic versus Mr. Svitolina. Ketsmanovic uh, played really well for two sets. Couldn't win a set. Choked a tiebreak. Yuck. That over, by the way, moved from 35.5 to 38.5. By the time the match started, that the, the over-under was 38.5, open at 35.5. Line movement doesn't mean shit. Sometimes it's better to go the other way. Because the line is better for you. Just think about it. Over 35.5, under 38.5. The honesty, that's great value for you. Because you're going against the public and getting a better number. It went way under. To move on to tonight's matches and to find out the rest of our quarter-finalists... We have Daniel Collins versus Elise Mertens. Elise Mertens, absolutely nobody is talking about her, but neither are they probably talking about Daniel Collins. Understandable, that matches up first. Honestly, a good game. The head-to-head -head is one and one. Elise Mertens won in straights at Wimbledon. Danielle Collins won in straights in Chicago. Note, in the U.S., on hardcourt, Mertens won in England on grass. 
This is honestly a really close game. I'd like to say it's 50-50. Uh, Mertens will not let Danielle Collins off the hook if she, if she invites her into the match or sort of gets in her feelings for a couple of games. Mertens is, is a professional and she's experienced enough to punish her and put her away. That is the only thing I'm worried about and, and you honestly have to be worried about it too. If Danielle Collins plays uh, not a perfect match but a, a pretty good match and doesn't sort of get in her feelings or get frustrated... She should absolutely overpower and crush Elise Mertens, but how likely is that to happen? Mertens, by the way, super consistent. Pusher, great defense, super smart. Danielle Collins, not very smart, just an angry ball basher. Just hits the fuck out of the ball. Hits it very good, but not much strategy behind her game. Elise Mertens, quite the opposite. Simona Halef versus Alize Cornet, what a match. As mentioned yesterday, uh, uh, Cornet leads the head to head 3 to 1. Their first meeting was 11 years ago, 2011. In Mexico, on a hard court, Cornet won in straights. 11 years ago. Look, obviously, that doesn't matter today. That's one thing, by the way, about head to head. People look into head to head so much. Oh, she beat her before. What makes you think she's going to lose to her today? Well, look, and I'm, I'm generally speaking, right? A match 11 years ago doesn't matter. Honestly, a match two, three years ago doesn't matter either. And you shouldn't overthink it if she beat her last year. Okay, but sometimes, like, where is it relevant? If they've played a lot of times and a player has crushed this player, then it's there's something there, right? If it's like a 1-0 or a 2-0 or a 2-1, it's whatever. But if it's like 10 to 1, you know, in 11 meetings, one player won 10 times, like there's clearly something there, right? And I'm not saying that that's what it is here. I'm just saying it's something to think about. Their, their most recent meeting was six years ago on clay in Madrid. Cornet won, by the way, in straights. I think this total is a little low. Halep's opponents thus far. Danka Kovinic, who was just, you know, came out to say her goodbyes and thank yous after winning the Grand Slam when she beat Emma Raducanu in three sets. Haddad Maya and Magdalena Freck. Those were Halep's opponents. Cornet's opponents, nothing special. But, oh, Garbini Muguruza, how about that? Came from 6-4, 4-1 down to beat Zidanecik in the previous round. Cornet has no fight, she's such a competitor. If things are going ugly early, she's not gonna let up at all. No matter what, she's taped the fuck out of her quads. She's here to play, man. She she wrapped her quads like looks like she's wearing a skirt, bro. Made of like tape. But she's here to play 18 and a half. Too much respect for Halep, I think. But don't forget I said Halep and Sabalenka are meeting in the semifinal, right? 
that's I guess one one other talking point. Uh, since we um, since we're done with the Pagula one, we're just gonna have the Madison Keys one. Who the fuck is gonna beat Madison Keys? And the other one is Simona Halep and Sabalenka are playing in a semifinal. Simona Halep, by the way, really easy path, thanks to Raducanu and Muguruza losing. <clears throat> Igor Wojtek versus Sori Kirsteo. Now, yesterday, when I recorded uh, the show, I said the line should be 3.5 over 21.5. 3.5 took and over under 21.5. But I said that it would most probably be like the actual line will probably be minus four and a half Schweitzik over under 20 and a half. It's actually five and a half and 19 and a half. So I'm not going to say anything there. I think the line, the over under is off by two games. It's two games too low. And the spread is two games too big. I sort of adjusted it for one game because, you know, the, how the market is, public perception, all that good stuff. I didn't see two games. Two games is a lot, man. That's a lot. Like three and a half. If Kersaia was three and a half, I probably wouldn't play it. I'd have to think about it because that, in my opinion, is a sharp line. Four and a half, like, eh, there's some value there. Five and a half, like, we're, we're, you're joking me now. In my opinion, Igish Vitek's not that good. Sorry, Kirstea, bro. She's a big-time player in, in certain moments when she's playing well. Sort of like Danielle Collins. She gets in her feelings and, and games, sets, sometimes matches can slip away from her. Because she's sort of dwelling on missed opportunities. Igish Vitek, when dealing with adversity, is not that precious poster girl that they make her out to be. Igish Vitek ain't shit. And nobody is worried about her, except for her. Which is why she lashes out and, and has many tantrums when she thinks nobody's looking on court and things aren't going her way. Look at the highlights against her match. Uh, look at the light. Uh, look at the highlights of her match against Ash Barty in Adelaide. Uh, first, w first week of the season. <clears throat> Arena Sabalenka is back on track and she's gonna make a semi-final. By the way, Shvojtek and uh, Kirstea have never met before. Kanepi and Sabalenka have met once last year in, uh, in the Melbourne Somerset, not the Australian Open. Kanepi won in three sets. That was their only meeting and it was here in Australia. Sabalenka is absolutely back on track. And the line is still sort of sleeping on her. Minus four, that's... You're sleeping on her a little bit. Kai Kanepi, like, she's been beating up on no-names. Kerber in the first round, recovering from COVID. Kerber kind of washed. Eh, whatever. And then Marie Boshkova and Madison Inglis.
Now look, that isn't everything. We know Kanepi's ceiling is, is not anything like that. So we can look at her previous wins and not sort of overreact to that. It really is nothing special. But we can look at Sabalenka's games and even though she's lost the first set against Storm Sanders, she knew Wang and Vondrusova, she came back to win. Today, I don't think she drops the set. Don't bet it. I don't think she drops the set. Don't bet the over. Don't bet Kaya Kanepi. Don't bet anything that would suggest that Sabalenka is not going to take a shit on her. I would not recommend that for today because Sabalenka, this is it right here. She's going to snap. Vondrusova, she sort of saved it for the last set and a half. Today, it's going to be from the first point. To look at the men's tour, we have some uh, some really good matches, I would say, and I hope they sort of live up to the billing and live up to the hype. Three of them are scheduled at the same time, and I don't really understand how that happened. Obviously, there are different courts, but, like, that's some poor scheduling, I'd say. First up is uh, Alex Dimoner versus Yannick Sinner. As I said yesterday, they did get Rod Labor Arena. So that's good news for Alex Dimonor. Bad news for Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner, Yannick Sinner leads the head-to-head to zero. This is a really tough game to read. Alex Dimonor is like playing with a crowd behind him and playing very freely and, and with a lot of confidence. Nothing to lose. He's a home underdog. Sort of hard to bet against that. But Yannick Sinner is much better than him. And has looked pretty good, even though his opponents have been nothing special. So I'm really, really torn on this match, and I might not bet it. Gun to my head. I would take Giannis, Yannick Sinner minus four games. But I don't know. Tough one. The lines are ugly, but it's a good match, I'd say. That's a that's a really good match. The atmosphere will, will probably be amazing, and it'll be fun to watch. Honestly, two, two good young players playing well. Fun to watch. Maxime Cressy versus Daniel Medvedev. This honestly feels like a some sort of science experiment. Just to sort of see what happens. Maxime Cressy, I I think in his previous in his three matches so far uh at the open, thirty-one aces, eighteen aces, and twenty-eight aces. Wow. Versus Daniil Medvedev, who's like a wall, who serves pretty well himself. This this is a science experiment. That's what it feels like, like to see what happens, right? Like you concoct uh, a bunch of shit and, and you're, you're curious to see what happens. You make a hypothesis and, and you test it and you prove it or disprove it. Because you have no idea what happens, but you kind of have a clue. But you don't know what's going to happen. This is a science experiment. I'll take the over 31 and a half. That looks a bit low. For two people that hit the fuck out of their serves, who serve up bombs... It looks like a tiebreaker too now. 
31 and a half looks a touch too low. Medvedev, however, has looked very good. He's locked the fuck in. Did look a, a little tired against Botek van de Zandschuld, but... Yeah, I don't know. That over looks good. Looks a bit low, I think. Marin Cilic versus Felix Oje Aliasim. When I recorded yesterday's episode, there weren't lines for this match, and I said whoever has a plus next to their name, that's who you should go bet. And it's Marin Cilic, so that's who we're gonna bet. Simple. They met three times before. By the way, Kressy and Medvedev have never met, met before, that's why it's a science experiment, right? You just don't know what's gonna happen. But Cilic and Felix met three times before, Cilic won all three meetings. The most recent one, I believe, was a final in Stuttgart on grass. Felix has a history of choking in, in big matches and finals, under the lights, whatever. Um, Marin Cilic, obviously US Open champion. And playing really well. Really nice to see him playing well. And you don't beat Andrei Rublev to lose to some dude called Felix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks good, I'd say. Plus 120 looks good. Taylor Fritz. No, thank you, bro. Stefanos Tsitsipas is the move here today. Uh, minus one and a half sets looks good. It's even money. I think I honestly think he wins 3-1 or better. So minus one and a half sets, he has to win, you know, 3-1 or 3-love. If Fritz wins two sets, he loses. Or that bet loses, sorry. Okay, so Tsitsipas, minus one and a half sets, looks very good. Fritz is a fraud, Tsitsipas is playing well. Dropped the set to Benoit Pair, but Benoit Pair was playing tennis this week. Taylor Fritz, I don't think any of his players were playing tennis this week. Uh, RBA, uh, Roberto Batista Agut, choked on a fat cock, bro. Fuck that. I'm not buying this Taylor Fritz nonsense. It was cute that he cried for making the second week of a slam for the first time ever. This uh, easy, easy wins here for Tsitsipas. The head-to-head -head is 2-2. Two two. Interesting, I'd say Tsitsipas won the last two meetings. Just to recap everything thus far, the two women's quarterfinals that are already set, Jesse Pagula versus Ash Barty, and Barbora Krzykova and Madison Keys. The winner of those matches, the winners of those matches will face each other in the semifinal. Danielle Collins versus Elise Mertens. The winner will face Simona Halep or Alize Cornet in a quarterfinal. Svojtek Kirsteja, the winner will face Sabalenka in a quarterfinal. The winner of Svojtek Kirsteja or Sabalenka in that quarterfinal will be on to a semifinal to face, most likely, Simona Halep. My predictions, I say Simona Halep, Sabalenka, that's one semifinal. The other semifinal, Madison Keys and Ash Barty. Now that's a final four right there. 
For the men, so far we have Shapovalov and Rafa Nadal in the quarterfinal, and Berrettini and Mr. Svitolina. The winner of Shapovalov and Nadal will face Mr. Svitolina or Berrettini in a semifinal. At the bottom half of the draw tonight, the winner of Demon and Yannick Sinner will face Tsitsipas in a quarterfinal. Marin Cilic or Felix will face either Cressy or Medvedev in a quarterfinal. Sinner and Tsitsipas would be a very good quarterfinal, and so will Cilic versus Medvedev. Then it's a Medvedev Tsitsipas semifinal <laughs> and a Shapovalov. Mr. Svitolina, semifinal. That would be nice. Thank you for listening to The Safe Space. This has been a pleasure. Good luck to all of you, and as always... Yeah, yeah!